Church of the Lakes, we are so excited that you are joining us this morning via the video, whether you're on YouTube or whatever stream or platform that you are. We just invite you to come worship with us and just celebrate God this morning. Here we go. And I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. And I 
heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I wasn't orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is here. church. Good morning. Thank you, worship team. We are so glad you're here with us this morning. And um, we're going to take a moment and, and have communion, just like Ayana said uh, in the announcements. Hopefully you grab some bread or crackers, cheeses, juice, whatever it is. Um, honestly, what we do when we do this is symbolic. These are, these are symbols. And, uh, and so Jesus told us, do this in remembrance of me. And so we remember, we take time on the first Sunday of every month to remember, to remember his amazing love for us, that a God who we consistently turn our backs on, that we consistently um, run from his love, which is a ridiculous thought, and yet it's the reality of our lives. We continue to chase after our sinful nature, the things of this world. And even in the midst of that, even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, his word says. And so this is that remembrance, that we would take something as simple as a cracker, a wafer, some bread, what you have there. And as we eat this, it's a reminder to remember this was his body. And man was his body abused on that day. Uh, scripture says they, they ripped his beard out of his face. That he was beaten in such a way that you almost couldn't recognize who he was anymore. And so it's sort of bittersweet to take this moment and to eat this bread because we're stopping and we're thinking about, man, that was supposed to be me. That was, that was my sin. That was my punishment. And yet we, we eat this to remember the amazing love that Jesus has for us. So would you, would you partake now? And remember, like what Jesus said, remember, remember me. God, we stop to say thank you. That you would leave the glories of heaven to come down to this crazy world and die that painful death, your body broken in such a way that we can have all of our sins wiped away. So we are so grateful today and we thank you for that. Scripture says that after supper, he took a cup and, and it says, when he had given thanks, he said, drink this in remembrance of me. And this is a different symbol. 
whatever it is that you're using there, this juice, whatever it is, it's symbolic of his blood that was shed. And the reason blood is so important is because the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so we take the bread and we remember his broken body. But the reason the blood is so significant is because through his shed blood, we have a new covenant. There was an old covenant that was made and they had to make sacrifices and go through that whole system. This is a new covenant. Then the new covenant is that you would have life. And like we always go back to John 10, 10, that you have life and life to the full. So as we drink this, we drink to life. The the thing that is above and beyond that overcomes our sin, that overcomes all the things that are that are dark inside of us, that we find freedom from our past and our hurts and our habits and our hangups. And so when we take this cup, it's a joyous cup. It's a joyous cup in that we are saying, I recognize I have new life through his shed blood. So drink this cup in remembrance of a new covenant of the shed blood of Jesus that he shed for you. And God, we thank you again for your shed blood, for your amazing, ridiculous, relentless pursuit and love of us. That we would honor you today in this few moments of worshiping, in this few moments of us engaging your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us wherever we are. There could be people anywhere in the world that are part of this service right now. And would you speak to each one of us in our homes, our cars, watching in an airport, on our phone. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, we ask. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You know what I was thinking this week? There's something missing. There's something missing from our service. And I think what's missing from our service is the meet and greet. So here's what I'm going to have you do. We're going to do a meet and greet. This is a virtual meet and greet. What I want you to do is we're going to put a two-minute timer up on the screen here so you'll see a little countdown for two minutes. Over the next two minutes, I want you to use the chat screen on the side here, and I want you to talk to some of the other people, greet them, say good morning, say hi. And maybe some of you, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, pick your phone up text someone, say good morning, or even call somebody and say, I'm enjoying church with you this morning. So you got two minutes for a little virtual meet and greet, and then we'll get into the word.
Well, hey, church, and happy Palm Sunday. We're so glad you joined us online this morning for church. And uh, I want to just uh, remind you real quick before we get into the lesson, up above me here uh, is the Connect card. It says Connect With Us. So if you're new, we would love to know who you are. And it's real quick for you to fill that out. If you have prayer requests, comments, anything at all, it's there and available for you for the whole service. Uh, so please use that. And then next to it, of course, is the giving tab. Thank you guys for being so amazing and uh, faithful in your giving, even though we're not getting together. And, and I know some of us are struggling with hours at work and those kind of things. But um, Church of the Lakes has been doing fantastic with your giving. And so thank you for your faithfulness and your tithes and your offerings. Also, next to that is sermon notes. So if you want some physical notes, they're there. And I want to reiterate the something that Jasmine just said to you in the announcements. And that is that there's a live prayer button down at the bottom. And so the way that works is you're going to click on the button. And up's going to come a little screen that says, hold on just a moment. We're getting somebody. And you may have to wait a minute. So I want you to picture in your head, sometimes if you had come down for prayer and everybody's taken, that you may have to stand there in the aisle for a second, like in line. Well, that's what's going on. And so somebody will come on and click the button and then chat with you privately uh, to have prayer with you. So if you need prayer anytime during the service or at the end of the service, click on the live prayer button at the bottom. Well, again, it is Palm Sunday. And I want to talk through a little bit about what today is. I think that if you grew up in a more liturgical, mainstream type of a church, then maybe you celebrated or talked about Palm Sunday. But but a lot of your non-denominational or those types of churches don't really celebrate, talk about, or really explain Palm Sunday. And I think we're missing something. So, so let me give you some sort of some statistics to understand why I say that. In the Gospels, and for those of you who don't know what that is, there are four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. And those are the books where it's a record of when Jesus was here on earth with us, how he lived, what he did, his ministry. In those four books, there are four chapters total to cover the 30 years, the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Four chapters, okay? 85 of the chapters of those four Gospels are for the last three and a half years. And 29 of those cover the final week. Well, probably God's putting an emphasis somewhere, if you understand. And, and, and Palm Sunday today is the beginning of what's called Passion Week or Holy Week. And, and the reason it's called Passion Week is because it's Jesus coming for his people, dying on the cross and showing his passion. If you were to ask Jesus what he was passionate about, he would answer you. Like that, that's... That's what Jesus is passionate about. So that's why it's called the passion of the Christ. And some of you guys remember you grew up and, and we always on Sunday, uh, Palm Sundays, we make the little palm crosses um, and the palm fronds because of the story. So let's read the whole story. And then I've got four points I want to give you today that we can pull out of the story that I think are applicable to our life today. Let's read the story. Matthew 21, starting in verse one, it says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
It says this, and this is a quote from Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's a, that's a fulfillment of prophecy. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It goes on in verse six. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowd that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. This is a quote from Psalm 119. We'll talk about it in a moment. Hosanna, the son of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. God, as we pull apart and look at your, your word today, would you speak to us, give us revelation, Holy Spirit, help us to understand what you want to say to each one of us individually today. We pray it in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, right? So, Eight events. There are eight total events that happened that all four Gospels record. In other words, there's an event that maybe Matthew records and the others don't, or two of them. But there are eight events that happened in Jesus' life, eight of them, that all four of the Gospels record. And Palm Sunday is one of one, one of them. So there's obviously some extremely important information that God wants us to understand about this particular day. I, I would go so far as to say this. If you don't have an understanding of Palm Sunday, you're missing an understanding of Easter. Like, because it's all tied and it, and it plays together. So, so we want to kind of understand this. And I want to give you a picture of what was happening here. So as they're coming into the city, there was the temple and the temple was made of marble big, huge, gleaming white building you could see for forever, especially if the sun hit off of it. I mean, I mean almost kind of blinding and they're coming in. But this happened and, 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 and we actually know the date. Scholars have actually pulled the dates. March 29th of 33 AD. March 29th of 33 AD. That is exactly 1,987 years ago last Sunday. So, so technically speaking, and it's just because of the way we do the calendar, we could have talked about Palm Sunday last week. We'd have been exactly 1,987 years since this happened. But what's going on and the reason that the people are coming and thousands and thousands of people, like the only thing that I could like remotely re- bring it to mind for us to understand in our context here is, is bike fest in Leesburg, right? Like just thousands of people were coming and they were coming into Jerusalem. And, and, and so when he's coming up the way here, I want you to picture, I mean, it was like Woodstock or something. Like there are makeshift tents and people just staying. And the reason they're coming is because it's Passover week where everybody comes and, and celebrates the Passover and sort of comes to the temple and, and does this whole scenario. So I want to pull out four thoughts, four ideas that I think would help, that, that would help us that we can apply to our lives today as we kind of understand a little bit more about what Palm Sunday is. And, and, and because this is, we have a pastor disease, we like, you know, things to start with the same letters and we like acronyms and all this kind of stuff. So I got an acronym for you. It's PALM, P-A-L-M. So we're going to have four points that start with each one. The first one is this. 
Promises of God fulfilled. Promises of God fulfilled. Jesus says to his two disciples, hey, go get me a donkey. And if anybody bothers you, tell them our master needs it. And that's it. So I thought, okay, in our context, what would that look like? Okay, that would look like um, on a Sunday morning before service. Let's just say for some reason, all of a sudden, Mike is going to take over as like mayor of Leesburg or some kind of a thing, right? And, and, and so I say to one of our ushers, hey, we need to kind of make our entrance because we're coming in. And they've got a certain picture in their head. The disciples had a certain picture in their head. And I would have said, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you go and, and over on the other side of town, there's a Vespa. And I want you to grab the Vespa and bring it back for me to ride into town. Which kind of would have been like, wait a minute, if you're going to be like, you know, the mayor, the king, if you're like taking over, like, shouldn't it be something kind of bigger? So you can only imagine the conversation that the, the disciples are having as they're going to get a donkey. Is they're going to get this kind of a, a weird situation. And, and, and the, even the thought that I would say, you know, hey, ushers, go grab this vest before me. And if somebody tells you, what are you doing with my vest? But just tell them, oh, the pastor needs it. Like, I want you to think through the conversations that must have been had with the disciples as they were walking there and back. As they interacted with the owner, the Bible tells us, and the person was like, what are you doing? Okay, if he needs it, take it. They must have thought, what? What the heck is going on? But I want you to understand, this happened to fulfill prophecy. Hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up on this planet, there were prophecies written that the coming Messiah, the one that would save us, the one that, that would save the world and, and, and be the Messiah and the Savior for the entire world, would have to fulfill certain prophecies. And, and, and what's interesting is, and, and I heard this one time, I thought this was so cool to put it in perspective. If you take eight of those proper, prophecies, if you take eight of those prophecies, and you do just like mathematical likelihood ratios, what is the statistical likelihood that one person would have fulfilled eight of those prophecies? Well, let me put it in terms like this. It would be the same statistical probability that if you took millions and millions of Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies, matter of fact, so many that you covered the entire state of Texas a foot deep, okay? And then you got in a helicopter, and they blindfolded you, and they drove you around for a long time, and then you said, okay, here. And they dropped you down, and you leaned down, and you picked up one cookie, and it happened to be the one cookie that somebody had marked. That is the same probability that one person would fulfill eight prophecies that had been told about the Messiah. Interesting thing, Jesus didn't fulfill eight prophecies. He fulfilled over 300 the, 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 the probability of this is ridiculous. What's the point? The point is this. You know, the saying is today, they'll, they'll look at somebody who's a little overboard and call them extra. Can I say it to you this way? God is extra in promise keeping. Like when God says he's going to do something, it will happen. It is our lack of faith that is the, that is the, the issue or the struggle. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. No matter how many promises he's made, they are yes in Christ. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. One more, Matthew 6 and 33. We talked about this in morning prayer this week. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. All these other things will be added to you. I think when we look at the story of Palm Sunday, we've got to remember that God is a promise keeper. He's not always a want filler, but, but he is a promise keeper. That if he says he'll do something, and so for those that maybe are still struggling with the uncertainty and the fear of these times, listen to me. Our God is a promise keeper. Our God will take care of those uh, that, that are called according to his purpose. And so our job is not to worry and fret and try to fix anything and everything. Our job is to seek first his face. And when you do, God is a promise keeper. Here's my second point. Starts with an A. Arrival of the king. Arrival of the king. So while Jesus is coming in and he's entering, he would have been entering from the east side of the city. What's really interesting is on the exact opposite side, from the west side, there was another triumphal entry happening at the same time. On the same day, and it was Pontius Pilate, who was a Roman leader who was coming in. And he would have had soldiers, and there would have been all this kind of pomp and circumstance and this whole thing. And so kind of if you picture on one side of the city, here comes Pontius Pilate in a limo. On the other side, here comes Jesus on the Vespa. Right? On on the one side, you've got soldiers and kind of this... this um domineering, like I almost get the, the Star Wars Stormtrooper theme song in the back of my head, you know, kind of pictures as Pontius Pilate is coming in. On the other side here is praise and joy and, and, and peace. So Pontius Pilate is surrounded by soldiers and Jesus is followed by kind of a ragtag group of followers. Now, Pontius Pilate is, is a display of wealth and power and Jesus is, is a declaration of peace. Pontius Pilate is feared and Jesus is cheered. And I think what God would try to say to us and what he's trying to show us here is that there's a purposeful contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. That the kingdom of God is a place of peace, humility, purpose, where here it was wealth and power and fear. Jesus says to us, I have come to, to, to have a completely different kingdom, to be a completely different type of king than what you expect. And what's interesting is most of the people cheering him coming in are expecting the worldly type of kingdom. They're expecting him to come in and to take over Rome and to, and, and, and to not have them oppressed anymore and start a new kingdom. And what he's trying to show and say to them in all that he's teaching is, is the reality that mine is not a kingdom like the kingdom of this world. It's not about power and wealth. It's not about manipulating and domination. It's about peace and freedom and even Humility, And what's interesting is the religious leaders of the day had already joined with Rome. And that's why they were so kind of against Jesus. They had adapted this kind of get along mentality where they were kind of compromising their morality and compromising who they were to get along with Rome. But the, the, the clear message here is, is that there are two radically different worldviews. In other words, follower of Jesus, any follower of Jesus will have a radically different way of living and seeing life 
than those around you that are not. There are two kingdoms at war inside of us, each of us. It is the kingdom of this world and it is the kingdom of God. It is this pull that I have and you have to put our faith in a bank account. To put our trust in a 401k. To think that our employer is our provider. And, and, and the lesson of Palm Sunday is the reminder. The reminder that God's kingdom is completely upside down. It's completely different than what we see in this world. And, and I have to say it to you this way. We cannot claim Jesus as king and not live according to his kingdom. And that's tough. I mean, because you might say something like this. Well, I want to be a believer, but I want to fit in. Right? I, I, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to be weird. And, and I need you to hear something. Everything about the kingdom of God is weird in comparison to this world. And, and, and we struggle with that because, well, I don't know if I want to be a, a Jesus freak and I don't know, but listen to Romans 12 and two. Listen to these words. Be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what the good, acceptable, perfect, and pleasing will of God is. We are to live, listen, in such a weird way as followers of Jesus that people wonder what our deal is. And that's really tough and a struggle within each one of us. Because here's what I got to ask you, and, and it's a hard, hard question. Which processional are you marching in? Is it on the east side of town where it's about humility and peace and freedom and all, and it might be considered a little weird as comparison? Or is it the other where it's wealth and power and control and all these things? And Jesus would say to us in this story and in this message, to follow me is to walk away from the things of this world. And and, and I wrestle with this. I, I wrestled for a long time growing up, like trying to be cool and wanting to be accepted and joining a fraternity and trying to do all the right things to do all these things. And, and I had the same battles that some of you had with, you know, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be weird. And yet what I need you to grasp and understand, to be a follower of Jesus is to deny the world. It is to walk away from the things of this world and be in his processional, in his parade and do things. And so the arrival of the king is a challenge to each one of us. Which one of the processionals are you walking in? Because when we live according to the way Jesus has called us to live, and maybe we're a little strange, maybe we're a little weird, maybe people look, but here's the point. We've been using this tagline since we launched the church. Wonder precedes the word. When you live a life in such a way that it makes people wonder, like, what is their deal? Or why do they do that? Or how come that church is in a school and gives all this money away? What's going on there? Wonder precedes the word. When people wonder who you are, it gives you an open door to say, let me tell you who Jesus is. Right? Arrival of the king. Here's the third one. That's the L. Lamb of God. Lamb of God. So this is happening. Palm Sunday is happening, you know, 1900 plus years ago. It's happening on the 10th day of the month, five days before Passover. Now, there's significance to that. Here's the significance. On the 10th day of the month, five days before Passover, 
is perfect lamb draft day. Okay, what they would do because they were to sacrifice a lamb, but especially on this Passover, they wanted to to have a, a perfect lamb. And of course, the celebration goes all the way back for some of us who've watched Prince of Egypt or some of the stories of Moses of the original Passover, right? And when they were in Egypt and, and the firstborn were going to die, but if they sacrificed the lamb and put the blood over the doorpost of their home, then the death angel would pass over them. And so it's, it's a remembrance every year the Jewish people do. So they have this day where they go looking at the lambs, and I get this picture of the lambs. It's like perfect lamb draft day where they're trying to figure out which one is the perfect one, you know, and you hope you get selected. It's a short-lived career, but it's an epic win. Uh, but, but the reality is, is they're trying to pick out the perfect one. Well, that happens. Tenth day of the month. First, fifth day uh, before Passover. Guess when Jesus is coming in? He's coming processing in on the 10th day of the month, five days before Passover. Why? Because he is saying, I am now the lamb. No longer will a sacrifice be required because I am going to be the lamb. I am going to be the final sacrifice for you that gives you relationship with the father. And so he's proclaiming in this processional so many things that they're really not seeing. Later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And man, I I want you to grasp today that every struggle, that every hurt, that every sin-filled moment, the dysfunctions in our families, the things that are going on around us are because of things that are outside of God's will. That we are a people that within ourselves is a sinful nature. That left alone, we go to depravity. Left alone, we go to things that are unhealthy and not wise for us. And yet God, in his passion, you talk about the passion of the Christ. In his passion and love for us, still would send his son to die, to be the sacrificial lamb, to be the final sacrifice. And all we have to do, here's what, here's what's, here's what's extra. All we have to do is accept him as Lord and live for him. Like, there's nothing more that we have to do. You can't earn God's love. You can't show up at church enough. You, you can't do, do enough, you know, if you're Catholic, Hail Marys. If you're, if you're in other religious beliefs, there's all kinds of things that, you know, little ceremonies and things. You can't do enough to earn it. It's free gift. That's how, that's the way God, that he would say, I am the lamb of God given for you, sacrificed for you. Just accept and live for me. And then you'll have eternity with me. He's the lamb of God. The last one is this, and it kind of ties in with that one is, and it's Messiah misunderstood. Messiah misunderstood. So when they were waving palm branches and throwing their cloaks down on the, on the, on the road, they were quoting from Psalm 118, and it says this, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they knew he was the Messiah, but they misunderstood the kind of Messiah he was. In other words, Hosanna, the word Hosanna means save us or save now. So they're hollering out, save us, save us. And they're thinking, here he comes. He's going to go riding in. He's going to walk in there. He's going to overthrow the Roman government. And he's going to take over. And no longer are we going to be oppressed. No longer is there going to be the struggle. He's going to take over kingdom. And what Jesus is trying to do is give them an understanding that his kingdom looks nothing like a worldly kingdom. 
And, and, and so there's a misunderstanding that's going on in this moment. There's a misunderstanding as to what type of Messiah he is. And I think oftentimes we misunderstand. We misunderstand salvation and the freedom that Jesus offers. We think it's just about getting a, a, a get out of hell free ticket. We think that it's just about praying a prayer and well, then everything's good. But I, I want you to hear the words out of Psalm 118, another part of that particular Psalm when it says this, open to me the gates of righteousness and I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness. We don't need righteousness in heaven. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about right here. It's talking about here in this life. Jesus did not just come to take away our sins. He came to give us his righteousness. He came to give us life, right? He doesn't just close the door of judgment. He opens the door to life and life to the full. It's more than just getting into heaven. It's about living heaven here on earth. So what about you? What about, what about you today? When we, when we look at these four different pieces, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Right? Number one, promises of God fulfilled. That's a faith thing. For some of you that may be struggling in your belief or in your faith, or maybe God didn't follow through on something. And you're like, well, I don't think he kept his promise. And here's the challenge that I would put to you. Was it his problem? Was it his promise? Or was it a feeling that I thought he would do for me? And we've got to be careful because I've done that. I've done that. I think God's promising me this and I'm just staying on that and then it doesn't happen. And then I think God's not a promise keeper. When the issue is not God's promise keeping, it's my understanding of this being a promise or a want or something different. God is a promise keeper and you can stand on all of his promises that you find inside of his word. Faith versus fear. God is in control. So we've got 30 days that we're sitting at home. And uh, it's weird. Would you not agree? It's it's weird. It's weird to walk into Walmart and like there's nothing on the aisle. You know, nothing on the. There's no chicken. And where you know where's the beef? Back to the lady of the Wendy's commercial. Got to be old to know that one. But anyway, the, the reality that that it's so easy for us to listen to Fox or CNN or MSNBC or CBS or blah 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 and and and, and get into fear when I need you to hear something this morning. God is a promise keeper. And he said, I will work all things for good for those who love me. So what does that mean? That means your part in that is loving him. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Maybe that's you. Second possibility is the arrival of the king. And I would ask you the question, what parade are you in? Are you, are you walking in the parade that is of humility and peace and freedom? Or am I walking in that worldly parade? That is argumentative and power and wealth and, and, and all these, these things. Am I living a worldly version of life or a godly version? And here's the thing you could say, Holy Spirit, show me. And then you gotta be honest with yourself. You, you gotta be honest with yourself about the, the Psalm says, renew a right spirit in me. Maybe that would be your prayer today. The third one was that he's the Lamb of God. And, and, and there may be some of you today, that today you understand for the very first time that Jesus is the answer for your life, that he's the source of all things, that he can take your sin away and that you can live a godly life here on earth and have eternity with him. The last one is Messiah misunderstood. 
that we don't misunderstand who Jesus is. And when he says in John 10, 10, how many times have we said this verse? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus, I have come that you might have life, eternal life, and life to the full, life here on earth. And so let me, let me pray with you and, and, and you, you, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit and then you've got to be honest enough with yourself to respond and be courageous in what the Holy Spirit says to you about this. What is the particular area that he's touching on? And let me remind you, if you want to hit live prayer and pray with somebody, you can do that. If you want to fill out a connect card, let us know uh, what you're praying, how we can be praying with you. Our prayer team is still meeting on Tuesday to do that. So, so do that. Respond to God today. But let me, let me pray for you as, as I'm closing out the teaching this morning. Father, we are so grateful for your word. And thank you for enlightening us about Palm Sunday today. And helping us to understand some of the things that you were trying to say through little nuances of the story. God, would you give us courage to, to be honest about certain areas of our life? Would you give us courage to respond to what the Holy Spirit has touched on inside of each one of us? That through today, we might be just a little bit closer to you and drawn a little bit more to walking in your version of this parade, your version of this life. Thank you, God, for those today who are going to give their heart to you. And I pray, God, you would give them strength to simply pray a simple prayer of, Jesus, today I accept you as my Savior. Come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Give me strength to live as you have called me to live. So we just pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did receive Jesus today, there's a little banner that's popping up right now in the chat room. And it says, today I, I commit my life to Jesus. And there's a little button that says, raise my hand. Would you click on that and let us know? We would love to celebrate with you today that you've made that decision today. And then maybe hit live prayer and pray with one of our people, connect today, or even let us know on a connect card. Church, we love you. So excited about what God is doing. Listen to me. The church is not closed. The church is wide open. We're just learning to do church in a different way out in the community, and even digitally. So be who God's called you to be, where he's placed you this week. And Marcus and the team is going to close us in worship.
God, in this time, we call on the great healer. God, we call on the great physician. Your word declares by your stripes. Are healed. So, God, we stand on that truth this morning. That whatever disease, whatever virus that the devil may think he has to stop us. God, there's a strike for that. So God, we stand on the truth that nothing is impossible for you. God, that fear cannot stand where you abide. So God, we take our rightful place as fearless sons and daughters. And God, we speak to the fear, the anxiety, the depression. And God, it has to go in the mighty name of Jesus. So God, we lift up this worship to you. God, may it be pleasing to your ear. May it be something that you can sit on. That we go throughout the week with no fear. But God, that we go throughout the week roaring as mighty lions. So God, we love you. We thank you. We bless your name. We give you everything that we have. In the mighty name of Jesus. And wherever you're at, let's say amen. So guys, we just thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning, God. We just thank you that you 
took time out of your schedule to be a part of Church of the Lakes. Life Steps is happening right after this. So if you would click the button, we would love to have you a part of Life Steps. And we just say blessings over your life. Favor over your week. That you will join us back next week. That we can worship again. We'll see you next week. Bye.